0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. To those of you who are season one listeners, welcome back. And to those of you who are new to my podcast, welcome to season two of the Pregnancy Wellness Podcast, hosted by me, Pip. I'm a practicing midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness, especially when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. Do you find yourself with lots of pregnancy questions unanswered? Do you feel that extra free support would be useful to you? Do you fully understand how to enhance your pregnancy wellness? You are in good hands. This podcast is for you. Alongside this, I have also been busy creating a 12-month pregnancy journey support group and course to provide you with a whole package of expert wellness and pregnancy information to guide you every step of the way, leaving no stone unturned From trimester one right through to trimester four and I'm now enrolling expectant mums in their first trimester. Spaces will be limited so if you think this sounds like you get in touch through my social media or at midwifepip.com. Over the upcoming 15 episodes I'm excited to be chatting with expert guests, and real women on this season to bring you honest, evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy wellness journey. I hope these episodes leave you feeling positive and empowered. And don't forget, for more support and birth preparation, to check out my website, midwifepip.com for your free birth preference plan download. I hope that you are sat comfortably and ready for the midwife chats and knowledge bombs to commence. So, when it comes to deciding where to give birth, there are a few options. We have consultant led units, midwifery led birthing centres, or even the comfort of your own home. Various health and pregnancy factors may influence the recommendation for your place of birth and your choice. But having accurate, honest information about your birthplace choices is fundamental to helping you make the right decision for you. On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by a fellow midwife, Kerry and little Harriet. (laughs) Now, Kerry's career has taken a different path to me as she's been practising as an independent midwife in the northwest of England for the last three years. Kerry's career has been based in the community setting and in the attendance of many home births. Kerry is passionate about the ethos of community midwifery and getting to know the families that she cares for. Then being privileged enough to te- attend a home birth is exciting on the top for Kerry. Kerry's independent practice means that she now teaches antenatal, hypnobirthing and breastfeeding classes. And when Kerry is not supporting home birth and educating new parents, she also shares my passion for exercise and fitness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Kerry teaches aquanatine classes at her local swimming pool and during lockdown has adapted to teach online fitness classes to encourage us all to keep active in the safety of our own homes. Kerry has used her Instagram page at midwife underscore Kerry to help provide new months with postpartum advice and support. But more than all of that, Kerry is also a mum to two girls, a toddler and newborn Harriet, which understandably keeps her very busy. So I'm <laughs> grateful that Kerry has found some time to come on and chat to us <laughs> home birth today. So welcome, Kerry, and little 10-week-old Harriet, who yeah. no one else can see, but I've got the privilege of seeing on the backhand, <laughs> and she is gorgeous.
0: <laughs> Thank you. you say saying Hello you're voicing voicing your little voice on the podcast already <laughs> <did you. laughs> which
1: i love because you know that's how life is at the moment we are quite often stuck at home we're recording this podcast at home and um, and it's it's the reality of the motherhood so it, it's just be real and
0: honest and, and that's what it's all about isn't it it's this massive massive balance during lockdown and being a mom being a midwife or whatever profession you're in you know it's uh yeah, challenging at, the t- at this time, <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun and games. <laughs> it
1: is, it is, and we're all learning so much every day. Yeah. Now, Kerry, I just wonder whether you could kind of outline what um, independent midwifery is, because I know lots of ladies listening might not actually have heard of that um, phrase or that take on the profession, and so how that kind of differs from kind of working as a midwife in the NHS.
0: Yeah, so I originally started out my career after qualifying as a midwife. So I qualified in 2014 um, after three years training. I I did my training at Salford University and I went straight into community um, with the NHS after qualifying. I absolutely loved home birth and the education really about, you know, empowering women because knowledge is power. And I think that that more so within women's choice around childbirth as well. So, yeah, my sort of career path started out in the NHS on community. So we operated where we worked on community, but then rotated and and covered the birth centre as well, um, along with their core staff. And then I uh, made the choice after around about three years, I became an independent midwife. So the easiest way to explain it is it's basically like a self-employed midwife. Um, so we all do very similar roles uh, or we can do but uh, independent midwifery is where you're not employed by anyone so it's your own business um, and that it can take the format basically independent midwives can do pretty much anything in terms of you can go into um, education providing education you can um, provide scans if you're sonography trained midwife and um, antenatal classes so I teach antenatal classes hypnobirthing breastfeeding classes uh, fitness classes and aquanatal like you said and yeah that's my sort of speciality because I really feel that that education and around childbirth is so so empowering so that then women can make informed choices really and I know it's a cliched saying within midwifery you know and they're all buzzwords, but they are so, so important. And especially roundabout now with with COVID, et cetera, I think it's even more important that you're aware of choices around childbirth. Definitely,
1: Kerry, I couldn't agree more. I think that information and and accurate information, because let's face it, there's loads of information out there, but some of it isn't stuff that we'd recommend following. And that was really the, the kind of whole ethos behind this podcast, was getting that real information out to women to support making those informed choices. Because as you say, you can't make a choice or a decision about anything in your birth journey unless you've had all of the correct information, the pros, the cons, the alternatives and kind of everything that's that's open to you.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. And I think that there's a good and a bad thing with social media. I mean, the, the brilliant thing is that there's midwives, you know, similar to me, you and there's a sort of network of us at the moment that all sort of, you know, we've met on social media and we share each other's posts and you know we're all doing this fantastic work but then the downside of social media is that people have access to accounts that aren't very legitimate or you know I see quite quite a lot of advice that from other sections and are not healthcare professionals and they're not regulated sadly like we are so you know we have regulations we have to adhere to the NMC code and we have to revalidate every three years to make sure that we're up to date with our knowledge other professions especially like the fitness industry for example you know there's companies that make money because of celebrities a lot of the time um but actually the information that they're giving out is not accurate or not correct sometimes in terms of the guidance that we would we would give out
1: yeah, that's a really great comparison, actually. You're right, because there's definitely a lot of um, dodgy information in that <laughs> yeah. industry. Yeah, but It does It does go across everything. And like you say, that's the the good side and the maybe not so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Carrie, I don't know about you, but since um, kind of COVID and lockdown, I've definitely seen a rise in an interest in home birth or an interest in actual successful home births um, that women are having. And I, I completely just guess, I don't know what the evidence is about this, that we're probably seeing a rise because one, people don't want to attend hospital if they don't need to, because we know that's potentially yeah. um, putting you at risk of catching COVID-19. And also with the restrictions on kind of birthing partners when they can be in, how many you can have at home, you can kind of control that because it's your environment. Have you kind of seen something similar?
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because the, a lot of the questions and the comments that come in via my instagram page is around that as well um, there's so many times that people say am i allowed a home birth and i'm I so i mean i teach hypnobirthing and we don't really like the word allowed because of you know it's that massive power shift um you know am i allowed well yeah of course you're allowed to do whatever you want you know and my my analogy is to women and it's something that i always say and it's a really silly example but uh, just bear with me it so I always say to women listen if you wanted to give birth up a tree in your house then as a midwife I would be there to support you in that so I, it's my job as a midwife I would go through the risks and the benefits of you giving birth in that said tree so I don't know it, it, it might be the pros of it, it might be that your mum might have given birth in that tree so it's sentimental value you really wanted to carry on the family tradition I don't know um, the cons of it is that you might fall out the tree um you know not easy to access so as a midwife my role would be to make that situation as safe as possible for you so i would put i don't know a mattress or an inflatable under the tree i'd get some ladders and although it's quite a you know a obscure example that is kind of what midwifery is about it's about giving that information to women getting them to make this informed choice and what choice would be right for one woman wouldn't be right for the other as well Um, and yeah, I'll talk a little bit about the sort of risk and, and how that fits into home birth. Because um, I think we'll come on to it a bit naturally later on. But that's always an interesting sort of point as well.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. I mean, I've never <laughs> seen anyone give birth in a tree. Maybe one of them. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're, you're totally right. You're totally right. So I guess women probably hear a lot about hospital birth or um, midwife-led birth centre birth. What is a home birth, Kerry? What what kind of does that actually look like and how might it differ from birth in a
0: hospital setting? So it's quite simply giving birth at home and the history behind it was obviously, you know, hundreds of years ago we would always have given birth at home as women. Um, yes, mortality rates were um, increased a, a lot more than they are now but arguably that's to do with the scanning procedures because we've you know things like placental issues we wouldn't have picked up on scans hundreds of years ago because there weren't any. Um, so yeah, so we we used to have home births centuries ago all the time. Then the introduction of the NHS and the shift towards this kind of medical model of care came in, and then it became the norm for women to go into birth and uh, birth in hospitals. And that's kind of what happened because the NHS is a free service. Uh, there's a massive drive and shift towards giving birth. Um, within hospitals. However, I think more recently there's definitely been a massive shift towards home births. Now the na- it depends what literature you read, um, but the national home birth rate is around about one percent it was a few years ago. I think it's actually moved more to 2.5 percent at the moment. so there is a slight increase in it, which is good. Um, I know that there's a local trust near me um, that my very good friend was a midwife at and they operated and their home birth rate was around about 20 to 25 percent at one point yeah it was brilliant yeah they operate like a massive continuity of care and it would be their own midwife that stood on call for them so as a midwife I think it would be um you know it's a really really big ask to do that and a big commitment but their home birth rates were absolutely fantastic and more importantly the experience that you're giving to the women as well is is just a massive massive experience more positive experience i've found
1: yeah amazing yeah i definitely never heard of a home birth rate quite that high.
0: yeah i, I used to work mm.
1: in a trust where they did a similar caseloading model um, and the home birth rate was quite high but oh my goodness not almost a quarter that's that's amazing
0: yeah yeah so that yeah that's the, the kind of history um but comparing uh home births to births on the birth centre and um the deliver I don't know what people call them different things, the labour ward, delivery suite, the eccentric units. Yeah, um it's a different so, in the same building, really. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say that home births are very similar to birth centre births and depending on what your birth centre is and how the environment is, etc. Because I'm aware that some are quite outdated units. Um, but the one that I was privileged to work at was the Royal Oldham Hospital and their birth centre is absolutely phenomenal it's so nice it's you know there's diffusers there's dim lights there's sparkly lights there's plumbed in pools you know lovely artwork uh positive birth affirmations in artwork it it was just fantastic and the the birth centre is all almost that in between so it's when women don't really want to give birth at home They're, they're kind of thinking about it but they're not confident enough to 100% give birth at home uh, but they want to go into the birth centre uh, to the hospital then they would more or less go to the birth centre um, yeah the delivery suite again depending on what delivery suites you you work at or you go into um sometimes can be a little bit outdated but they're very medicalised you know when you walk in generally the first things that you'll see are the medical bed and the resuscitate which sometimes when you're in labour is probably not the most positive thing to see um but again you can always make that birth environment your own um so I had a home birth with Imogen my first little girl uh planned home birth with Harriet however things didn't go 100% to plan and we ended up going in when she was um quite over a, a date 17 days over a date and um I I went in and it was uh, the delivery suite that I went into and my sort of choice is that I wanted uh, a pool and as soon as I walked into the room there was just equipment around and it was nothing like being at home you know the lovely experience that I'd had with giving birth to Imogen and so uh, me and my midwife did a bit of feng shui of the room and we covered up the resuscitate with a sheet You know, we dimmed the lights, we moved some equipment around, and you know, we transformed it into actually quite a nice little environment for for my birth experience. So,
1: yeah, that's amazing to hear, Carrie, actually, because I'm really passionate about that in that we can plan for for birth in whatever building we like or or wherever that might be recommended. But actually, that actual space, you can create whatever bubble you like. Yeah. You can have dim lighting wherever you might be. you can have nice lavender sprays or oils wherever you might be yeah wherever yeah. you might be and that that stems from at home all the way up to the other kind of extreme I suppose which could be a theatre setting but actually that that environment you can absolutely replicate yeah in different places so I think for ladies maybe like like yourself with Harriet who plan a home birth and then maybe there's some twists and turns and it doesn't quite go to plan a if you like And actually lots of that preparation work that you've done will completely transport with you to where you do eventually give birth to your baby.
0: Yeah and I think that that's massively important as well especially when you think about um, sort of birth trauma and not so much trauma in a physical sense sometimes but birth trauma as in emotionally because a lot of people when they write a birth plan if things don't go to that plan A like you said you know that's where you get you know a lot of issues around mental health postnatally Um so I think that that's really important to you know you can it, you can make birth a really lovely experience whether it be a home birth whether it be a planned cesarean Um obviously I rave about home births I've had one I planned another Um I remember giving birth to Imogen and it was just the most relaxed thing ever I wish that I would have recorded it that's my one big regret with her birth Um because it was just so calm and so peaceful, you know, it was in the conservatory. I couldn't hire a birth pool, I couldn't get hold of one, um, so I actually bought a lazy spa. from you. Brilliant. But, That's The tree midwife. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was. Um, she was born in the the lazy spa in the conservatory, and it was just so lovely. And I remember the placenta still being in and i was holding her and i just said that was just brilliant i'd do that all again and the placenta hadn't didn't even come out at that point point. Um, you know it was just it was really really lovely and i just wish that people knew that there was that option sometimes because a lot of women don't even consider it as an option and that's what really saddens me when i'm not saying that hospital is a bad experience and home birth is a good experience because you can have a good experience anywhere but when you've had such a positive experience, you kind of want everybody else to be able to have a bit of that as well, or at least have that option.
1: Your your Haymeth experience with Imogen, Carrie, it sounds beautiful. Could you kind of just, in a snapshot, I suppose, just describe that to us a little bit in terms of your personal experience?
0: Yeah, so um, I started off labouring, I had a show about half, at two o'clock in the morning, um just got into the bath. My um tightenings were every 10 minutes, and as soon as I got into the bath, they just fired up to being five minutes apart. And I think it was because I was so relaxed at home. Um I rang my midwife at about five o'clock in the morning and uh seven o'clock in the morning I got into the pool in the lazy spa in the conservatory. <laughs> Again, it was just really calm. Uh, my mum came round and she was just pottering around doing my ironing and keeping out of the way really, but just being there in case we needed her. Um, my partner was there he was just in and out just topping up the pool with water Um, and my two midwives um, were there as well with me and that's one of the other positive things that you you get two midwives with you generally at home birth as well um yeah and they didn't really talk much they just watched me and I was practicing hypnobirthing and I literally just breathed through them um, and breathed through the the sort of pushing stage as people know it I didn't really do any pushing it was just breathing and she came out and as a midwife you know all the sort of the biology and the anatomy and the physiology of childbirth and it was really strange because I'll always describe it as I I could feel her actually coming through my pelvis and coming. I could feel it all it was like just I could see it all in the textbook diagrams and it was just happening. It was um, sort of really crazy. Uh, And she was um, born really nicely um, in the pool. And yeah, it was such a gentle, calm experience. Uh, I didn't have any music on because music is like a massive thing to me. And I I had a playlist, but I literally wanted silence at the time. I just didn't want any, any music. So it was just nice and peaceful, calm. Yeah and she was born at home so it's always nice as well having a your home address on a birth certificate <laughs> as well.
1: Yeah that's so true that's so yeah.
0: true. Yeah. Oh it so I just so idyllic. Yeah I just we we I've we, set it up with sparkly lights and everything but it was actually it was it was morning time coming into daytime when she was born so we didn't um, really feel the benefit of this twinkly lights but hey ho. <laughs>
1: Oh, and I bet your conservatory now is such a special place, having made those memories in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's now Imogen's playroom, so she wow. gets to play in there all the time. <laughs>
1: love it, and that's that's an awesome story, isn't it? Going forward, that she was born in a lazy spa. I love that. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it shows you can improvise in whatever way you need. I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, and you don't have to have a You know, you don't have to have a pool. You can give birth in the bath at home. You don't have to give birth in the water at home there's been ladies that have set the birth pool up in the garden because it's been you know in the hot heat of the summer they've said you know even if it happened overnight I'd, I'm still so hot all the time that I just want to go outside and as long as it's kept up to temperature then you know midwives are really good at working around things I think so
1: oh yeah we're super imaginative for sure yeah <laughs> we yeah To get babies in this world sometimes it's yeah <laughs> Now, Kerry, I don't know about you, but whenever I speak to women about um, their options in terms of giving birth and the place to give birth and the option of giving birth in in the comfort of their own home, I think the number one question that follows on most ladies' minds is, well, is it safe? And we seem to, I think, like, like you explained really at the beginning, home birth was normal practice years ago. And then certainly definitely in my mum's generation no one gave birth at home it was like why would you do that you go into hospital that's just what you did and that just became accepted and that became the norm and then as we started to shift back towards trying to give birth in our home settings again I think that's the number one question on most people's minds is is it a safe option
0: yeah so there was the better birth study that was done um right I think it was 10 years ago now it was 2010 I think it was so Really pivotal study, massive study looking at the outcomes and everything to do with birthplace settings. And um, so that concluded that home birth was as safe for your second baby, and um, slightly not as safe first, but it was very, very slight. And I think that figure was massively portrayed. And it's so, so um difficult sometimes to explain statistics to women in a very short antenatal appointment. And you don't want to you know you never want to lie to women about you know what the risks are what the benefits are but again it's portraying you know that it was very very small um almost insignificant but not quite so yeah that they that was the the very basics of the uh, birthplace study um there's been more recent so recently there's been the lancet that have published that home birth is as safe as hospital births for any mum. So whether that be first time mum, second time mum, which is brilliant because now we don't have to mess about for 10 minutes of an appointment trying to explain this very, very small difference between first time and second time mums. Um you've got so if you start or plan a home birth and you start your labour at home having planned a home birth, there's absolutely rafts of benefits. And those benefits, it doesn't matter then if you are transferred in, you still have that benefit. So You've got less chance of having a caesarean section, less chance of having an instrumental uh, birth, less chance of having an episiotomy, which is a cut down below um, and less chance, what was the other things off the top of my head? Um, oh, and a less chance of a third or fourth degree tear as well when you start at home. There's there's quite a lot more, uh, but they're the, the significant findings from the, the Lancet study.
1: And I suppose there are other things that we want to avoid, right? You know generally unless you're having a planned um elective cesarean section most people want to avoid an emergency one and most yeah. people plan to have a forceps birth with an episiotomy or a tear into their anal sphincter so so that yeah. sounds really positive and really great which is yeah. you need to get that message out there and yeah. if and if women feel that that's not the right choice for them absolutely fine but we need to know that it is a choice don't we? Yeah
0: and that's that it's a really interesting point because there was um, nice guidelines say that we should be telling women about the different birthplace settings and it obviously then being a choice for the woman to decide where to give birth. I always have a slight issue with asking them this question at booking appointments, though, because, you know, they have found out they're pregnant, they've peed on a stick, they're eight weeks pregnant. They're not looking at, you know, what is going on more than a few weeks ahead, you know. So, yeah, that's always a slight um, worry about, you know, because then they feel if they choose one place, then they can't change their mind. And that's not the case. You can change your mind throughout your pregnancy. So you can plan to give birth in hospital. But then later on, you might think, actually, I fancy a home birth. And that that's what happens a lot of the time. yeah, um, yeah but nice guidelines say that we should be informing women about all these choices. And there was a maternal survey that was published this year. I think it was around about three or 4,000 uh, women that completed the survey. And it actually said that 40% of women, did not they weren't aware of all their options, which is a significant amount. That's nearly half, well over a third. Um, and also, of those, 33% only thought there was one choice. Around where to give birth. And I think that makes me giggle a little bit because I think, well, if it's one choice, that's not really a choice. That's pretty much that's, <laughs> that's where you're having your baby. <laughs> what you're
1: doing, isn't it? There's no choice. Yeah. That, you
0: know. yeah. Which is really against this sort of my midwifery ethos. And I'm sure yours about giving women choice around, you know, everything, where you have your baby, the type of birth you have, who's present. And with home births there's just so many sort of pros and not a lot of cons, I feel.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And like you say, it's having that information. And I suppose there's there's a difference between saying to women, so these are the potential uh, places uh, to birth your baby uh, and actually asking them to make a decision. So yeah. like you, say, you could change your mind up until the point where your baby's coming out. You know, you could plan to give birth at home and then actually at some point you think, no, actually, this doesn't feel comfortable anymore or something crops up and you're transferred to hospital likewise yeah. up until the point that you're in in labour you could change your mind about that hospital birth but it's having that information isn't it yeah you need to be making some improvements by the sounds. yeah
0: of the yeah definitely and the other thing is around home birth and and how safe it is is you know the midwife that attends your home birth will pretty pretty much all of the time be a community midwife and community midwives are, that is their forte you know we we our specialism is home births and Um, you know antenatal appointments postnatal appointments visiting you in your community setting so you know if you if you ask asked a doctor to come to a home birth I think that uh, an obstetric doctor wouldn't be very good at a home birth likewise I wouldn't be able to perform a cesarean section you know Um, so the midwife who will be at your home birth is going to practice as safe as she can if there is any sort of doubt that something is not going to plan not going quite right your midwife will be there to make things safe so she will either transfer you in and um, you know obviously there'll be a discussion around it first it won't just be you know you're going in it'll be I think that something's not quite right you know um I'll keep an eye on it and th- there's always a plan of care but the the threshold of transferring somebody in at home is a little bit lower and that's just because it takes a little bit of time to get into hospital um, but yeah and that's another. Thing that people say, you know, around, is it safe? Will they say, you know, I live, you know, half an hour away from the, the local hospital? Yeah, you live half an hour away, but in an ambulance, it's generally not half an hour. it will be a lot quicker. Um, and things don't generally go wrong just like that. There's normally, you know, we're trained to spot things going wrong and an early opportunity as well, so um, we can make that plan and get you into hospital safely
1: yeah definitely definitely and like you say midwives are always planning three steps ahead So it weird yeah we're yeah make sure that we keep things within that realms of normality and if it's yeah. not like that's the way then then escalating that for
0: sure yeah and, and we, we have and we also have as well um you know equipment with us to deal with any emergencies at home um and we're very good at dealing with said emergencies at home because we get to practice quite a lot not at home we practice in you know um, settings where the um, you know we call them prompt study days so we deal with like obstetric emergencies but in community settings and we're you know we get to practice that way so if anything does happen then we're well versed in, in dealing with it
1: yeah definitely definitely that's a great point and just kind of um continuing on the the discussion of that transfer rate, right? because that's definitely something that women need to consider in making their choice is that risk of um, potentially being transferred from the home setting into hospital
0: setting.
1: What? Yeah, so <laughs> rates <rapes> of that. <laughs> so <laughs> really I very was very not
0: very impressed very by that <laughs> <laughs> Um, Yeah, so transfer rates for first-time mums, um so what we call primagrammers, um or primips is 45%. Which is quite quite a high percentage, really. I think, um, with second time or third, fourth, fifth time mums, and um, so we call them multiples. That is around about twelve percent. So the transfer rate, though, I think people always think transfer. Well, it'll be like a blue light job into hospital. You know, you know, as you're giving birth, that transfer rate sometimes can be for things like, um, you know, if babies temperature is not quite right after birth you know and the midwife's done it a few times and the temperature's either up or down that might be the transfer in is for you know baby's observations or it could be that mum needs suturing at you know under hospital lighting and, and in theatre um or just you know needs they might just need a bit of extra observation so the transfer rates it'd be interesting to actually break those transfer rates down in terms of what what were they actually transferred in for um
1: yeah yeah. that's a good point isn't it because I think when we think of transfer rates we do think of an intrapartum so in labour complication whereas like you say actually or it could be that mum for some reason has changed her mind or she's decided that actually she would like I didn't you know, an epidural, which obviously you can't have at home. So it's it's not yeah. always because there's an emergency. It might be mum's choice or, like you say, just that little closer observation post post the birth as well. So
0: that's that's yeah Yeah, and I don't think, you know, I've had a friend who's given birth at home and she had um, a tear that needed suturing at hospital, but she had a really, really positive, lovely home birth. So just because she ended up going into hospital didn't necessarily mean that, you know, she had a a poor birth experience, but she would have been included in that transfer rate, obviously. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a really valid point for sure. So when it comes to um,
0: home birth, Kerry,
1: is there some women where it may be recommended that they don't opt for a home birth?
0: Yeah so um, in terms of I'm very much all for women's choice and I think a really big big benefit of having continuity of your midwife is that you build up that relationship with them and when your midwife then you know explains an issue that may prevent um, a home birth so there's some things that definitely a home birth or even vaginal birth would be a, a, an absolute no-no so placenta preview for example is where your placenta is covering your cervix so as soon as you started to labor and your cervix started to expand you would start to bleed which would obviously mean that there was a threat to life for mum and baby so in circumstances like that it's an absolute you would need to have a cesarean it, it, home birth would not be on the cards because it would be so so unsafe and um, but there's a lot of things that uh, you know, people may advise you against a home birth, but that doesn't mean that home birth is totally out. Um, and I think in midwifery, there's massive grey areas. And this is the, the sort of massive debate around risk as well within childbirth. So um, I always think it's quite interesting because as a community midwife, um, you know, if if somebody says to me, you've got a 1% chance of something, and I would look at that and think, wow. well, actually, that means that you've got a 99% chance of not having it. Yes. Whereas um, I think more medicalized midwives and, and doctors, arguably, um, they will always see the risk. And that's because they're dealing with emergencies um, all the time. Whereas I would deal with normal birth all the time. Um, yeah, so I forgot what your question was now, Pitt, but I lost my train of thought. <laughs>
1: Talking about those ladies that perhaps would be recommended. Um, oh, yeah, yeah
0: yeah so um there's obviously breach. so a uh, footling breach would be um advised to have a cesarean as well just because of the problems that can occur during labor if you give birth naturally via, via um, vagina um so then you've got the more gray area of people like uh being not even diagnosed but a sort of a guesstimate of baby's weight so big babies um a lot of people have been advised not to have home births because maybe they're going to have a big baby. Um, And the arguments around that are really um, massive gray areas. So scans in your third trimester are around about 20 to 30% inaccurate for growth. So there's the argument of, well, is it really going to be a big baby? Because there's ladies that I have known, I've looked after before that have opted for cesareans and then babies come out and been seven pounds. So, and it's a massive choice to make, you know, because it does have an impact on future births as well um but again so around the risk category so if you're diabetic but again this is my my big thing about giving people information and, and choice so if you if you have diabetes and your diabetes is maybe well controlled um, and your blood sugars are all normal then i would argue that you are the not you know you are as normal as any other pregnant woman um because the issue is again around the big babies growing a big baby um and i think like we've, we've discussed before Pip, about you know well actually if you have a big baby the best place for you is to be in a really good position so i.e in the birth pool uh, whether that be at home or on the birth center or you know the delivery suite it's about getting into really good positions to optimize that pelvic outlet so um yeah it's a massive massive gray area around uh Risk and but I always my big thing is give that woman all the options and she can make the choice because you know, home birth does not it's not a no no because you have been categorized as higher risk. Um, again, VBAC so vaginal birth after cesareans, there's been a, a quite a few of them, especially within olden now that you know they've, they've gone to plan, they've had a second, third baby, and successfully given birth at home. Um, after having a cesarean with the first baby so yeah, yeah. definitely That's having that
1: information isn't it and and you raise a really great point about statistics because like you say sometimes we hear statistics in a sense of well if you if you did that so if you gave birth at home or you went this many weeks overdue your risk of stillbirth or your risk of complication doubles but actually we need to break that down into what yeah <laughs> Is that a 0.2% risk that's doubled to 0.4% because yeah. level, for lots of women a risk of 0.4% of something still feels quite comfortable
0: so yeah. we have to
1: make sure that we are giving those um kind of risks or those statistics in a in a really balanced way and not in a way that causes kind of scaremongering. And women need to have that all that information the way that they can understand and is nice and non-biased, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and definitely. And I, I, I really like the um ho- the evidence-based birth website as well. And it is predominantly an American website, um, but a lot of the studies are done in there worldwide anyway. But it's a really good resource for women to go to as well. Um, you know, to have a look at the evidence surrounding, you know, diabetes and home birth or you know, anything at all. It's all it's all available on that website. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, no, I've checked that out. It is good. Maybe I'll try and put that in the show notes as well for people to... Yeah. Know. So, I guess if the women, Kerry, um, who are deciding that, yes, they would like to plan for a home birth, and um, they've been given all the informed information about all their choices, and they think, yes, great, giving birth...
0: <laughs> poor
1: Harriet. She's like, give me my food back, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> She's been very well behaved, to be fair, with a yeah. voice in her house. Um, so women can have um, home birth both on the NHS or through um, an independent not
0: they? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, wh- whoever you book with or just let your midwife know, they will answer any questions surrounding home birth. Um, so within the NHS, uh, different trusts operate very differently, as we know, uh, due to COVID as well. But generally they will have like an on-call system for the community midwives that they operate and yeah they will go on call for you and um attend your home birth when you're in labor when you ring them uh, oh poor harriet <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard work
1: oh, being 10 weeks old oh so i think I've already, Kerry, started to discuss some of the benefits of working at home in terms of reducing some of those risks of complications, And obviously having that environment which you feel comfortable and in control in, which is just going to promote all that wonderful oxytocin and suppress all of that adrenaline, which we know is notorious for scaring our contractions off, which we don't yeah. want in labour. Are there any other kind of benefits of giving birth at home that you want to just... Um, outline or mention
0: yeah so there's I I think one of the biggest thing is the power shift so when you're in your home obviously you have the power you know it's the midwives that are guests within your house and not you being the guest in the hospital so you know if somebody wants to use the toilet in your house if you want to use it you go use it you don't ask anybody the midwife comes into your house you know the midwife generally says to you or can I just go and go to the loo Whereas when you go into hospital, again, it's that the power shift is the other way, you're in sort of somebody else's territory. So I think that that's one of the main things for me around home births is that, you know, who has the power, you know, the the control and the power there. And there's loads of practical benefits as well. So if you've got other children, you know, you don't need to really sort childcare out for them because a lot of the time you go into labour overnight. So you pretty much give birth overnight and then, you know, you toddler or child wakes up and there's a new baby there and a lot of people think that there's screaming and shouting and there's generally not it's quite quiet and calm um practicalities as well you don't have to pay for parking at your own house generally um you know whereas if you're going into the hospital a lot of the time you have to pay for parking if you can find a space um and again with covid at the moment there's obviously benefits around birth partners Um, I know that some trusts have tried to operate this you know you can only have one birth partner in your own house I don't really know how that stands legally because how do you tell somebody to get out of their own house you know (laughs) it's really problematic um and I think a, a certain amount of common sense should really prevail on that point um but yeah and and as well you get an experienced midwife with you for your home birth um, as you would in the hospital but then you get a second midwife for, for actual you know the birth of baby and um, in the hospitals i found that generally you can have one midwife with you but they're, they're in and out of the, the room um, and sometimes they have other ladies that they're looking after as well and a massive and again that's on the, the safety point I would argue that it's safer at home because your midwife is with you constantly so if there is anything that's going wrong within your labour it's seen really really early on whereas when a midwife is with somebody in labour and they're in and out of a room sometimes things you know might get missed because of that sort of intermittent care almost um but yeah no need to travel I mean I you know having tightenings I remember thinking I could I remember getting out of the bath with Imogen coming downstairs and getting straight in the birth pool and I could not have done a full 20 minute journey in a car you know that 30 second quickly getting down the stairs and into the pool was just like difficult enough so I just think that you're so much more comfortable at home and you've got so much more of your natural um you know you've got your oxytocin working loads your natural painkillers working because you're at home and you're comfortable obviously you need to labour wherever you feel safe so for a lot of women you feel safer at home you know if you're poorly and you're at work you just want to be at home tucked up you know with you comfortable clothing and if you are going to feel safer being in the hospital setting then you will labour better in the hospital setting um, rather than at home.
1: Yeah definitely and that comes back down to us just having all that information available doesn't it so that Women yeah. make a choice that feels feels right for them
0: and comfortable yeah. for them. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah. if four women, Carrie, who are planning to prepare a home birth, how do we actually go about organising that? So they'll be booked by their midwife and they might express the fact that they plan a home birth and then what might kind of happens?
0: Yeah, so round it, you let the midwife know that you're planning a, a home birth. Uh, you discuss it with them. Hopefully it should have been discussed earlier on anyway at your booking appointment um then at around about 36 weeks most trusts have a home birth assessment which sounds really really formal it's not formal at all so it's basically an opportunity at 36 weeks for your midwife to do a home visit where she will do your full antenatal um generally at home so your blood pressure all your normal checks that will be done in a clinic setting will be done at home but it's also an opportunity to, to discuss your birth plan as well and you know I always think where I used to work um, on community, it it was a a town, it was Rochdale, so it was a town, but there were some areas that were quite um, countryfied as well, so uh, getting to the address, so just so that I had a kind of what we call a dry run, because uh, I remember going to one home birth, and it was on a farm in the middle of nowhere, and I'm so glad that I knew where it was, (laughs) because it was quite tricky to get to. so yeah, it's just things like that, and to make sure that if there's any parking issues, so if you live right next door to a school, we know that if we're going to a home birth at three o'clock on a Friday, then the parking might be a bit chaotic, and we might need to, you know, get another midwife to drop us off a bit closer to the house or things like that. So the practicalities, but also an opportunity for you to, you know, get to know your midwife a little bit more. Your midwife gets to know you. Um, and know what you want for your birth plan, and they'll discuss things, you know, surrounding your labour and afterwards as well.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. It's not an appointment you want your midwife to be late for, is it? When you phone them and say, I'm in labour, no. <laughs> I need you <to> here, <laughs> and they're
0: trying to find Yeah, a I mean, some, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it happens. So there are BBAs, which are called born before arrival of the midwife. And, you know, we have ladies that have planned a home birth, and all of a sudden they have a really quick labour at home and they've not rung the midwife quite in time. Um, But again, I would always say, you know, there's no right or wrong time to ring a midwife. And I would never, um, you know, tell a lady, or I never tell a lady off anyway, but I'd never tell her off for ringing me too early. I I think it's always better to to ring. And if you want me to come out, you know, I would always have come out and, yeah. Is all the, the practicalities around that so. talking
1: about those bbas those babies that are born before arrival i feel like we have loads of those for unplanned home birth anyway so i feel like everyone yeah. and have the baby at home and if they don't make it in
0: yeah really-, well, really really interestingly um when i was working on community in the nhs there was um a winter that it was really really bad weather snowing it was thick snow um, and the woman rang up the birth centre that she was going into, and she said, I'm in labour, but I just I'm just i not sure like we were going to... And she tried to get there, so her husband had put her in the car, driven her, and they'd got literally down the road, and they'd had to abandon the car. They couldn't get any further, so they went back home. And um, some of our midwives have got, you know, four befores, so the midwife went out to her, and she had a really lovely home birth. <laughs> that oh, was man. unplanned. And she always, I remember seeing her in clinic with baby afterwards. And she always says, you know, I'm so glad that it snowed on that day because I had a really nice experience at home. And if it wasn't that, I would have gone into hospital. So, yeah. you know,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's a really cool story. I love that. So when, um, I guess when you've cared for um what would you say were the the kind of main benefits I suppose of birthing at home I think we've I think we've discussed quite a lot about it but if we could narrow it down to maybe some of the top top benefits that you you've experienced in your practice
0: I would say feeling a lot more comfortable um having minimal pain relief if anything um so women coping with labor at home um you know you significantly reduced analgesia rate. You know, you it's evidence based to say that women who birth at home need le- less pain relief. And I think that again that's because your natural hormones are working, you're comfortable. And again, it's something that we talk about a lot in hypnobirthing. But if your muscles are relaxed, then they're going to work more effectively. So um and again it's I think it's mind over matter. So I always say, you know, if you stub your big toe and you think about your big toe and how much it's hurting, you know, it will hurt even more. Whereas if you think about something else and being at home is a good distraction, you know, you can get things set up, prepped, you know, nice birth affirmations on the walls or, you know, you can get things set up in your home environment that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do in hospital. It would take a bit longer in hospital. But yeah, Yeah. definitely staying calm um and having a real positive birth experience making that environment your own well it's already your own you know um and you have time to prep as well like I actually enjoyed the run-up to Imogen's birth because I was getting that room ready and I was like I'm gonna give birth in it you know It's gonna be nice and it's gonna be twinkly lights and Kind Of almost making it into a little spa experience, well, especially
1: um, with your lazy spa. I mean, it basically was right. <laughs> you probably had someone do some massage and some essential oil,
0: but yeah, I think they're, they're the massive benefits um, being more relaxed, staying calm, um, and it being your home environment and the practicalities then as well that go with it.
1: Yeah, that kind of ease of practicality is definitely a selling point for mums that have got other little children, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So in terms of um, analgesia at home, we kind of alluded to the fact that women tend to need um, less analgesia when they're giving birth at home, and I guess your natural body's endorphins are a massive um, part of that. What are the analgesia options for women who are birthing at home? Because obviously it is a little more limited.
0: Yeah only slightly more limited and I think that that's a massive misconception as well so the only thing that you can't really have at home that you would be able to have at hospital is an epidural or spinal and everything else you can have at home so I always advise women to start off with um, you know non-pharmaceutical methods of coping with labour so massage, water, TENS machine, all these things that aren't drug related you know start off with them because you might find that actually the TENS machine will get you through, you know, 80% of your labour with purely the TENS machine or purely with water as coping, you know, in the bath, etc. cetera, um, or massage, you know, your breathing techniques. Um, then you, you can start to move up. So you can have paracetamol at home. Um, gas and air, the midwife will bring round to so the Entinox. Um, people will know it as gas and air. The midwife, the community midwife will bring that round um, when she comes out to you. And then if you wanted, so again, different trusts operate different, slightly different um, pain relief. So some do pethidine, some do dimorphine, um, but very similar. If you want anything like that, then because it's a controlled drug, it has to be kept at the hospital. Uh, Most trust policies say so. So you will uh, tell your midwife that that's what you want. Um, so that might be you, you might know that you want it when you're in labor uh, before um you know the midwife comes round to the house and that's fine you just let them know and then they can either go and pick that up on the way to you or otherwise they can call the second on call midwife and they will go out get that and bring it to your home address yeah
1: definitely so that's really good for women to know isn't it that actually there's a whole scope of options yeah they'll have at home and yeah. like I said the evidence shows us that women quite often don't need to go quite as high up that cascade yeah they might do in a hospital setting which is fantastic yeah definitely. everything comes with side effects doesn't it so if we can limit um, that use then that's that hopefully makes women's experience a bit more positive yeah yeah
0: definitely yeah
1: amazing so mm. can we carry a finish with your top three tips that you would give to any expectant parents so it could be mums and dads and who are planning or considering a home birth
0: i think um so the first one is be prepared um so write a birth plan make your birth environment your space set that up <clears throat> spend time together doing it as well because i think it's actually really nice and it should be a place that's really cozy um you know <coughs> <a> i <clears throat> think about your lighting your environment where you're going to feel safe and where you're going to birth best. So that's first top tip. Uh, second top tip is to stay positive because you know that as soon as you tell people, um, you know, and I think this, this alludes to my, my third top tip about telling people, uh, but be positive. When you tell people that you're going to have a home birth, or you're planning on having a home birth, um, a little bit like when you find out you're pregnant, it seems to be that people then tell you horror stories of things Um, and I don't know as women I don't know why we do that to each other when we should really be supporting each other so maybe be careful who you tell a lot a lot of people have started saying I've not told people I'm having a home birth I've just said yeah I'm gonna give birth and they've not really they've never really asked and they've never said anything and it's then afterwards but I think another tip is that afterwards please tell people about your positive birth experiences um you know whether they're at hospital or at home because on average I think we tell if we if we have a poor experience or something so a bad meal in a restaurant we tell on average 10 people but if we have a good experience we only tell one and I think we really need to change that especially around home birth and positive birth experience you know we really need to be telling people how brilliant it is so that they have an opportunity and and know that that's a choice for them
1: Definitely, that's such a great point, Kerry. Because, like you say, there are so many positive birth experiences of all different shapes and sizes out there, but we don't talk about those ones, we talk about that one horror story that someone yeah. said, and then it's got escalated and kind of blown a little bit out of proportion or, or become a bit inaccurate. And everyone focuses yeah. on that one negative experience rather than those thousands of really positive, empowering birth experiences. Yeah,
0: we love and that. And I think a for, for a pregnant woman, then to have that you know, story in a mind of a real, somebody that they know or, you know, they've heard this really negative thing just before they give birth is not really conducive to being positive and having a nice birth experience yourself because you're going to then be fearful of it. You know, I was I was um, liking it to, you know, it's like telling somebody just about when they're about to go on holiday on a long haul flight, it's like telling them to watch air crash investigations. You know, you just would never do it in any other setting, um, but we seem to do it around childbirth and I really wish that we wouldn't and we'd be more positive around it as well definitely definitely because
1: I'm very much Kerry with your ethos in that actually all birth can be really really positive it can be yeah. such a positive empowering experience and creating as we've said before creating that environment that you can have in your own home if for any reason then that doesn't quite go to plan you can absolutely replicate that in any other setting um, but women need to have that that knowledge and information to be able to do that so yeah re- really and
0: good. just and, and in contrast as well so um I had my first imaging at home and um, with Harriet you know I say unfortunately I went into hospital because it wasn't my uh you know planned uh, yeah it wasn't my plan A I wanted to give birth at home again because I had such a positive experience but I went into hospital and you know I walked onto that delivery suite and there was machinery there was the resource um you know that you use to resuscitate babies you know if they if they're born and they need a bit of resource that was the th- first thing that I saw when I walked in and as a midwife like I would that like, my heart would sink when women t- told me things like that and I didn't want to see it so me and my friend who was my midwife you know we covered it up we got the sheet we covered it up quickly and did a bit of feng shui really with the um you know the room and I always say you know if you go into um, the birth center or delivery suite, that room is yours while you're there. So move things around. You know, I'm not saying bring in your paint from being here and start redecorating. <laughs> actually, uh, going would be very grateful. Well, very yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, move things around, make it your own. Uh, be inventive with things. Use the bed to kneel on instead of lying down on it. Um, there's loads of ways that you can have such a positive birth experience but home birth for me is just the best experience and as a midwife having seen them you know I would look and I'd think this is just so calm and relaxing and you know it's I, I'm always sad that there's not a TV program about home birth but it would be quite boring TV because it's so relaxing yeah that's so. true it
1: would be the drama that sells
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I guess from from my me and Carrie's point of view, our take home to anyone listening today is just to just to consider it, think of it as absolutely a valid option for your birth setting, and um, ask those questions, do that research, look at the birth study that was done in 2010, and um, about the the kind of safety elements if that's concerned for you, and just give yourself all that information so you can make that informed choice, but
0: but know that it is a into
1: choice. No. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Kerry, and and also oh. it because I know we've massively interrupted that afternoon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me, and yeah, home birth is fantastic. Please go out there and research it if you're not aware of your options around it, and discuss it with your midwife. Definitely. And then share your wonderful, positive experiences.
1: Yes, definitely. (laughs) Thanks, Kerry. Take care. Thank you. Bye -bye. bye Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you found it helpful, then please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference to the number of women we can reach out to and empower. For daily free information, inspiration, or details on our bespoke antenatal education courses, head over to my social medias at midwife underscore pip and my website midwifepip.com. I would love to hear from expectant mums who have found this episode useful and wish to embrace further support on their wellness journey. Pop your details in the Your Pregnancy Journey tab on my website and I will be back in touch.